This is the Data Privacy Detective, and today we're going to talk about spelljacking, a growing threat to our data privacy. Could be a new word for you. And with us today are two experts in this area. Maggie Louie is the CEO of AutoJS. JS is for JavaScript, by the way. For a decade, she worked for large media companies as they were developing mobile products. And she founded AutoJS after an experience with a hacker. Well, Maggie, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having us. Well, it's a pleasure. Now, tell us the hacker story that prompted you to co-found AutoJS. Sure. Um, yeah, I had been working in the industry uh, for publishers for close to a decade, and all of those products really were revenue dependent on um, programmatic advertising, which is how I became very aware of this problem. And so looking for some friends in the publishing industry that were not making any money on their programmatic ads at what could be the problem, discovered that a hacker had actually exploited the third-party JavaScript that was enabling all of the programmatic ads and was not only siphoning off the, their revenue, but injecting his own ads and other malicious stuff and stealing data and all sorts of gross, gross stuff. <laughs> not an uncommon thing, but that, that puts you onto this uh, thing that we now call spelljacking. It's more than that. We'll talk about it. But also with us today is the company's co-founder and the chief technology officer, uh, Josh Summit. Josh, uh, You've been in cybersecurity since uh, 2005. You've been responsible for finding and mitigating security weaknesses in uh, many large organizations like Bank of America, FedEx, and the Internal Revenue Service. I hope somebody hasn't found my tax return. I don't know. But Josh, yeah. one, uh, one publication credits you with discovering and even coining the phrase spelljacking. So help us understand what is spelljacking? Uh, sure. Yeah. So spelljacking is when you have different scripts or different features within a, uh, your site, and it happens to be taking using maybe the spell check features and whatever you type, it sends it off to that spell you know checking feature. And so a lot of times that data is being uh, siphoned off um, and sent to a third party server that you might not recognize, you know, not not know is happening. And you know these features are common um, and useful features that are built into the browser when you're you know typing emails and things like that, but you don't really expect them to be enabled on things like you know username and password fields. You kind of expect that those are fields that would not be uh, susceptible to you know needing to be spell checked because they wouldn't really match anything in a dictionary. Especially your passwords shouldn't match anything in a dictionary, right? We found different features within the browser, sometimes extensions, sometimes native features that are sending this data off to, uh, you know, companies like Microsoft and Google. Well, and this is what we call, this is the cloud, isn't it? The cloud, really, there's no cloud. I mean, this isn't uh, God sitting up there with St. Peter in the cloud. These are simply when one uh, entity that you're dealing with uh, through data is sending information to another, for example, to use its spell check feature, or maybe show my password so I make sure I put it in right. This is kind of the problem you're talking about, right? Exactly, right. It's it's like a combination of, of two very useful features. You know, one, you want to be able to to like show your password so you can make sure you typed it correctly. Right. And then you also want the spell checking features. But when those two things are combined, it actually creates this uh, security weakness and this uh, data exposure. And it's the old story. It's convenient. It's helpful to us. 
And yet we have to think about what has this done to our to our privacy. Well, Maggie, let's go back to you now. Your your company, AutoJS, released a September 2022 study that I found fascinating. And it, it talks about how Google and Microsoft and, and other companies end up receiving our personally identifiable information, PII, that includes things like passwords and even social security numbers. So tell us about what your study found. Sure. Well, this is all, um, you know, what Josh discovered while he was testing some of our new um, behavior script monitoring, which is the spell jacking. You know, if you have Chrome enhanced spell check features enabled, uh, as well as the enhanced spell check features in Edge, it's actually reading all of the input fields on the pages that you're visiting. So if you log into any site, it'll send your username and any information you type into those form fields. And if you have show password, it'll even send your password to their servers in clear text. And when you look at the request, what it'll send back is um, Google recommends, and then they'll have a corrected spelling. So when we did this, um, we made it kind of a joke. We, we made the password share password. And Google <laughs> yeah, response for, to that corrected spelling was share password. We suggested share, share password. password. Oh. We're, we're just kind of being cheeky, but um, but that so that is all. Um, when Josh discovered this, we all as a team um, decided that we needed to research this and figure out how big the scale problem was. And that's the um, the thesis behind the report that we did. We took six key industries and then we looked at five sites across each of these industries, the top performing uh, visited sites. So you had the 30 control group websites. Exactly. Yeah. And that yeah. was banking, online banking, government sites, healthcare, e-commerce, and even pornography. Um, yeah. So I've read the study, but if I hadn't, I'd yeah. guess, oh, that's probably a 10% problem, right? <laughs> right. So 97% of the sites. 97%. Yeah, we're sharing, we're sharing PII. 70, a shocking 73% actually shared your password. Would share your password. And of course, the user has no idea this is happening. Yeah, and what's important is that the ones that weren't sharing your password, it wasn't that they had mitigated the problem. They just didn't have a share password option within their um, password field. In fact, the only company that had mitigated it was Google. Well, Josh, let me turn to you. Help us understand the vulnerabilities of systems that use JavaScript and, uh, you know, who doesn't, but uh, that your company addresses. Maggie and the report have shown the problem here. So what are the underlying vulnerabilities that cause this? So what's interesting is we were actually, you know, part of the main th thing that we're looking for is how different scripts and how different third parties are sharing data for different sites that you go to, how they're tracking you, what they send to different parties, how they track you. And it's kind of how we stumbled upon this. We were looking at how you know, any third-party script that's running on a website actually has the ability to scrape all of this data and send it off to their third parties. So, you know, while we're looking for that, we we happened upon, you know, the, the thing that Google is actually doing it within the features in the Chrome browser and also in Windows on Microsoft, right? We, we noticed, you know, in addition to these kind of things, there are a lot of these third parties that are also basically form jacking, skimming your data without your consent or without you like clicking submit on a button. So yeah, for instance, part you might- of the data broker problem, relatively unregulated. Exactly, right. Scrape information, it's not that hard to do. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But I think from a user perspective, you sort of expect that maybe I'm entering data into forms, but I'm not expecting it to go anywhere until I do an action, like I click submit or right. you know, you know, something like that. And we found many sites um, 
the scripts that are on the page, uh, different you know features. We're actually scraping that data before you actually gave your consent to send it, which Good was point. really interesting. So it's a major uh, vulnerability. Well, Maggie, yeah. what what can companies do about this, and how does your company uh, you know help them deal with it? Yeah, I mean, so if you're a company, the question is, you know, are you do you have uh, risk and liability? Um, of sharing third party, you know, sharing consumers' data with third parties, and so I think it's important to mitigate that risk because you know you don't necessarily know of all of your third party partners. Google and Microsoft might be ones that you trust, but um, you know every vendor that you have has their own third party dependencies and so on. So um, our software makes it really easy if you're a company, and there are other softwares out there too to make those decisions per script what they're allowed to read and what kind of functions they're allowed to do and if they're allowed to send data to external servers. And you, you can handle some of that manually too. Like if you're, you know, if you've got an in-house uh, development team or security team um, and Josh could give more detailed as a follow-up document for you guys on how to do that. But um, yeah, you can put some rules around reading form fields. It's a bit manual and it could cause some user experience issues. The hardest part though, is actually being able to find out what's happening and to, to actually surface the problem. And that's the big challenge that, you know, I think we're going to see over the next two years that PCI compliance is, is really trying to head off. Now, I will say this, for consumers who want to protect themselves, that's probably one of the bigger challenges. And we do have a free extension that consumers can use. It doesn't cost anything. Um, yeah, but we'll come we'll back to that a little yeah. later. But companies, so you, uh, your company and companies like yours can can help a uh, really any size website owner deal with this. And first, by understanding what what's actually happening, and then secondly, mitigating. That's right. Yeah, and it's you know, we build our tech specifically to help the non technical. You know, there's a shortage of security experts, so we built it really yeah. to be developer centric, but also for small businesses who don't know, have any coding skills. So. Um, it's so important that people feel they can protect themselves in this online environment as everyone's moving digital transformation. You know, so many mom and pop shops just don't have the technical expertise to know how, to, right. how to begin to think about these problems. That's right. Josh, let, let's turn to you with, with a, a little different question. I mean, the giants have enormous amounts of data about all of this and uh, you know, whether they uh, say it or not, they're, they're tempted, let's just put it that way, to at least sell or share the data because that's part of how their business model is, is based. So in general, are you finding that companies, uh, large and small, are, are aware of what we're talking about today and are dealing with it responsibly? What, what, what are you finding? I, I think a lot of companies probably aren't fully aware of the extent um, that uh, this is happening. You know, um, you, you, you do sort of expect companies like Google to be harvesting all your data, and it's sort of an expectation that, you know, they, they have all of it anyway, but that still doesn't necessarily make it right, you know. One thing we're trying, we were doing with the software is actually providing a lot of visibility into what is, you know, taking your data and where it's being sent. To really provide that transparency for companies to know it's always the starting yeah. point is what's yeah. actually happening. What are you saying? Exactly. So called cloud. Yeah. Good point. But nobody's out to uh, to get in trouble. Let's put, and let's turn to the compliance issues now, Maggie. Let me let me start with you. You know, we have five states of the United States that have relatively comprehensive law. I did a little uh, uh, exercise to see if any of them say spelljacking in the statutes. I couldn't find it. 
How do you see the the compliance requirements? Let's put it that yeah. way right now for this. And, and what do you see in the future? Well, so I think you just made an excellent point. And I want to um, give our uh, VP of engineering kudos. Uh, Walter Hoeing actually coined spelljacking for the company okay. as we were trying to brainstorm what would be a clever name that would get people talking. But it, it really is a great example of how just by naming something, you might eliminate or seemingly eliminate its existence within a compliance that's coming by not understanding the underlying um, thing that's happening or because of the nuance. Like in this particular case, unlike a regular third-party JavaScript uh, visibility or exposure uh, or vulnerability even, this is something that is a real quirky thing that's being caused by Google, Microsoft trying to spell check everything that you're typing in and sending it to their servers in clear text to then, you know, have their advanced right. AI grammar tools send you back an idea of what would be the best thing <laughs> to, you know, to set, to spell that as. And so they, they don't necessarily intend to capture that information and yet it's happening. And there isn't, this is like, um, you know, I would, I would classify this under something like we've called crimeless victims which is there are victims of this kind of data exposure and and many other things that there haven't been crimes yet defined, laws yet uh, defined that make it a crime explicitly. And so there are all these crimeless victims. And even with when you look at GDPR and you look at PCI compliance, V4 uh, on the DSS, um, it's it's. I think that one, the PCI compliance is really probably the most advanced one we've seen because it talks specifically and explicitly about third-party JavaScript and right. runtime and monitoring that script's activities and behavior to, to make sure you are mitigating any kind of unauthorized activity with your customers as they're in the client, in the browser, runtime. Such And so just under that, what do companies have a period, do they, to comply with that one? And we'll see where the yeah, rest of the world goes. Yeah, they roll. So they published that version in like, uh, I think it was March of this year. And they've given till next year, they're going to actually, the new requirements, they, they're rolling out, like you have to get compliant for the V4, but they will be overlapped in 2024 to 2025 where you can be both as long as you're working towards the new V4. Um, but then after that, you have to be V4 compliant. So it's they've given a maybe an unreasonable amount of time. Well, a couple companies. of years. Exactly. Yeah, we're I mean, in, a, like, in 2022, and then if it doesn't have to be until yeah. 2025, you have two or three years here where those would be this gray area. Of course, that's how the law works. Well, the law usually well, follows a practice we don't like, and then the legislators well, get here's around the thing to though, it. Yeah. Here's, here's something I'll say, though. Having been you know, at the LA Times and uh, American public media, you know, big media companies, it can yes. take two years just to get a project like that really rolling. Good so point. I think it's it's actually a very narrow window for companies, but for consumers who are having their PII and, and their credentials potentially exposed and not knowing the depth of that, it's a really long period, you know, so it, if you could right. look at this from different perspectives. And there'll be uh, regulators, certainly GDPR, Regulators, I think, looking at this certainly, if it uh, creates a, an enormous amount of exposure of uh, PII, and, and Josh, just briefly, uh, regulators, do you think they're aware of this problem by now and thinking about how to deal with it? So, um, specifically, 
you know, with the PCI type stuff that's coming out, I mean, they're, they're aware that, you know, there's been some major data breaches that have been result of third party scripts or vendors or the supply chain risk because those have gotten, I think, you know, quite a bit of media attention lately. I, I think these are things that they're having to comply with and they're going to have to, you know, make sure that they're audited and go through the same process that they usually would for like a normal type of application that they would do. But now they're going to have to do it for all of their vendors and supply chain risks. So, so this you know, is on it, the agenda and we'll see where, yeah. where it leads. Maggie, one more question to you and we'll turn to uh, consumer advice in a minute. What about sites like, oh, how about Planned Parenthood? Women are exploring their, their health issues and what they can do about a pregnancy or banks or, or take porn sites. Uh, yeah. What about those? Such an important topic, Joe. That And that's really what it, the crux of it is your privacy. We all know what's happening in politics and uh, you know abortion law. And porn site is what we focus on because it, I think we knew everyone could really relate to that. But when we talked about this and you brought up Planned Parenthood, that's exactly the kind of thing where in the wrong hands, uh, a user's name, their password, where they live, that they're trying to find a location to have an abortion or that they're seeking information. Um, these are these could be this information could be weaponized very easily um, by groups who you know have political agendas against that, and, and likewise they could be weaponized by nation state actors and people who have an agenda um, you know to sway voters, to sway government officials, and so on. And so it's it's really it's really broad the potential weaponization of being able to get access to this stuff. So it's it's a very important learning issue that we really need to get our hands around. And that education is probably the best thing we can do right now in light of the legislation being, you know, still a, a, roughly a year and a half away from taking this on full steam. With a lot at stake. Thank you for that. Well, let's, uh, a, a final topic. What, what can individuals do about this? They can't uh, hire their own company to worry about all these things. And I know the Auto JS website has a, has a good uh, explanation for consumers and developers as well about how to, for example, deal with the spell check feature of Google and the Microsoft uh, Edge spell check. Um, but let me ask you each in turn, what, what is the top advice you would have for individuals about protecting their personal privacy uh, because of this spelljacking phenomenon that exists. Josh, let's start with you. What would be your top tips? So one, I would caution not enabling features in the browser that maybe you don't understand what they do. And also limit extensions that you run in the browser to ones that are trusted vendors, you know, because any one of these can also be used to steal your data. There's also some extensions that can do things like Privacy Badger, which is done by EFF, and it can do things like block tracking scripts and stuff like that that could be using to harvest your data. And not terribly expensive for individuals. Right. Right. Maggie, what would be your top advice to people who do care about their personal privacy? Well, I would echo what Josh said. I'd, I'd also um, say to that, check and see what, what browser extensions you've added, because all of them have access to get this kind of information from any site that you go to. So be aware that browser extensions have a lot of power. Make sure it's a trusted um, developer or company that's put that out. But um, just as you mentioned, we've got free solutions so people can use our Chrome extension and it'll surface, you know, when you go to a site, it'll let you know if it's reading sensitive input fields. So if you're like me, I'm dyslexic, so I have to often put 
enhanced spell check or show password. And if you're like that, this is a good way to keep it enabled, but get a reminder if you're putting your password at risk. And for developers, they can use our same free tools to look at their site, see if they have issues. And, and it's the exact same kind of enterprise level detection that we use in our in our core software that you know works for companies to mitigate this stuff but even if you you know you can look around on on you know different browsers like ghostry is a great app it's been around for years and actually the former ceo uh, scott meyer is an advisor um, at, for us uh, and that's a great similar kind of app theirs is not really focused on security as much as trackers but there are a number of them out there that you can install that will at least give you the visibility if you're a consumer and be aware. So you will want to take, you know, take precautions, turn off spell check if you're on a site that could be exposing you. And just remember that the first question you got to ask yourself is, do you, do you trust this app? Do you trust this site? Exercise some caution. Right. Very good advice. One last uh, question. Maybe I'll throw it to you, Josh. How about other other browsers like uh, Firefox and you know, DuckDuckGo and, you know, ones that claim they were privacy centric. So get away from right. Google or the giant, you know, I mean, what, what about those? Are they different? Some of them, like, for instance, uh, when we looked at this, we noticed both Safari and um, Apple, right? Apple, right, right. Yeah. Apple, Safari, and um, and Firefox didn't have any didn't have any of these sort of a enhanced spell check type features. Uh, Firefox, I don't know if this was intentional, but I thought it was more kind of clever in how they solved the problem. Is that they didn't even enable spell check unless you entered more than one line. So that effectively stopped spell checking on sensitive form fields and things like that. A um, clever way to do it, isn't it? It's yeah. kind of sand sandboxing the problem. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Very good. Well, I can't uh, thank you enough today for introducing all of us to this uh, emerging issue. At any time, our data is in flight, and it is when things are sent to the cloud. There are these issues, and it can expose very sensitive information that can lead to identity theft and loss of money and certainly loss of privacy. Maggie, Josh, thank you so much for exposing us to this this continuing world of, of data and how it travels and how it affects our privacy. And as always, I will remind our listeners as I close every time, protecting your personal privacy begins with you. <laughs>